The following program is a specialty program. Unless otherwise identified, the participants on the program are not employees of Chorus Entertainment. Opinions expressed may not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. There are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio studios in Toronto with Hi-Fi Portfolio Managers. Here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Well, good morning. Welcome to the show about money, high finance, little high fidelity weaved in. Good morning, and I wish you a great weekend. I guess it's the last one of July. Oh, it goes by, doesn't it? And welcome to August. And obviously on front and center, everyone's mind is back to school. Uh, Will the economies globally continue to open up? Will there be another wave? Will they keep lockdown in place? Certainly a lot on the table. And it's incredible. You see industries continuing to thrive and other industries remain uh, shut in. Uh, You know, when I think shut in, I think restaurants, I think movie theaters, uh, you know, I think the challenges, of course, around retail. And with that comes ancillary uh, uh, unintended consequences, uh, work its way, of course, right through the distribution chain, the media chain, the advertising chain. Uh, oh, yeah, uh, the, the effects are far and wide. And again, continuously being remarkable, the disconnect that is evident, and for a very good reason, between the real economy and the financial community. Of course, markets are flirting well. The NASDAQ, all-time high. Uh, the S&P 500 uh, flirting with its previous high. Not quite there yet. TSX, of course, trying to play catch-up. Uh, lots on the table. No more important time in your life to have good, sound financial advice. And that's, of course, what Jack and I are here for. And our advice comes with a plethora of uh, brains and intelligence and uh, leading-edge thinkers. Uh, Ari Vinda, uh, Galapitag, ah, Ari Vinda, I try so hard to get your last name right, and I can't apologize enough. Uh, Ari Vinda, you're a very, very smart man, um, very, very well-seasoned in the business, um, a decorated, shall I say, a decorated man uh, on Bay Street, and obviously the United Kingdom as well. Of course, you're a CFA. Uh, you're also a member of the Chartered Institute of Managed Accounts, which is a United Kingdom designation, uh, top telecom analyst, uh, 2019. Uh, yeah, you got yourself a lot of awards uh, for good reason. Uh, you do good work. You think well. Uh, Aravinda is an analyst with Canaccord. Uh, he covers the telecom sector, film entertainment, broadcasting, and media. Uh, good morning to you, Aravinda, and thank you for joining Jack and I on Hi-Fi Radio this morning. How are you? I'm good. Morning, guys. Thanks for having me. It's good to be with you guys. Um, Ari Vinder, if we may begin with the uh, film and entertainment industry. Um, a few weeks ago, um, Jack and I had um, on the, um, the Highland Cinema uh, movie theater. Uh, have you ever been, by the way, to the Highland Cinema theater, Ari Vinder? It's, it's, it's in the town of Kinmount. It's about two hours north of Toronto. I have not, no. I, I honestly, Ari Vinder, I really, I'm going to encourage you right here, right now on the radio, uh, next season, if it reopens, to, to go and see it. it, it it's a wonderful um, uh, museum and movie theater uh, in, in, in one of the smallest towns in Ontario uh, that, that remains open and, well, remained open until, of course, COVID, uh, and continues to be an old-fashioned movie theater. It's just it's loaded with memorabilia. It's very, very cool, from films to posters to uh, signage, uh, uh, old popcorn machines. 
There's everything in that place to see. It's just worth the visit. But uh, Cineplex um, uh, and IMAX, of course, they're just uh, uh, two very similar uh, companies, uh, must be extremely challenging. When you speak with these two industries, the companies, what are they saying to you about how they're coping with COVID? So Cineplex and IMAX are two um, different stories in terms of their um, the conditions that they face uh, for for various reasons. I mean, um, IMAX is obviously more of a technology company, and it has a massive cash balance, so it can it has the ability to kind of wait out the problem. Uh, whereas Cineplex has more, there are more immediate concerns that they have to address. So. I think, uh, well, if you know the uh, the background here, Cineplex was a, acquired, or uh, the uh, the acquisition was announced uh, in December of 2019 by Cineworld, which was the, which is you know essentially the biggest cinema chain in the world because they bought Regal in the U.S. So they arranged to buy Cineplex in December, with the closing expected to occur between March and June, and then obviously we had the 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 uh, COVID-19 crisis hit, and the process went on up until, I believe, late May, early June, actually early June, when Cineworld decided to pull the trip. And um, so that created this big downswing in the uh, in the stock because it was supposed to be acquired at 34, and then, you know, as people got more and more suspicious, rightly so, about the transaction, you had that collapse. So now it's about protecting your balance sheet because, you have still have to pay the rent. You still have a big corporate office, employees to pay. Um, so you have a significant uh, uh, operating expense base to cover, and you also have a huge. Uh, you have you know you have your debt load of six hundred million dollars that you have to service, and you have to stay within the bank covenant. So the first thing you have to do is go to the banks and say, look, give me a holiday on the bank covenant. And that was the the pressure that they were under. Now, what did happen is that uh, when they went to the banks, the banks gave them a hard time and made them raise money externally, which they did uh, a few weeks ago. They raised $275 million to convertible debenture. So long story short, the first thing all these cinemas have to do is protect their balance sheets and avoid sort of essentially uh, going into receivership. Because you yeah, let me jump in here. Sorry, Arvind. Let me jump in here. We're just uh, coming up against having to pay some bills uh, called Run a Few Commercials. Uh, you're listening to Hi-Fi Radio on the Global News Radio Network, 640 in Toronto. Good morning to you. It's a show about money. We call it Hi-Fi Radio. I am Wolfgang Klein, a uh, very, very smart analyst of ours. Uh, Arvinda Galapitigay uh, has joined us. Uh, we're talking about cinemas. We're talking about film and entertainment. We're talking about money and stocks, and it's so exciting. Get yourself a cup of coffee. We're going to join us in two minutes. Money. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. What was it? Whistle while you work. Well, it's Saturday, so hopefully you don't have to work. Work is a good thing, mind you. Uh, it's incredible how many people uh, Jack and I come across that uh, hit the magic age, traditional age, of course, of retirement, and they say, you know, no, i got to keep going because I enjoy 
staying active. Uh, active, active body, active mind leads to a healthier life, uh, longer life as well. Uh, ikiga, as Jack and I like to refer to it. Find your passion, and uh, you shall have ikiga. Uh, Arivinda Galapitige has joined us. He is an analyst with Canaccord Genuity. He covers off telecom, film, and entertainment, broadcasting, media. A stock that Jack and I owned uh, was Cineplex. Uh, 2019, a takeover offer came from the UK, I believe, of the Cineworld uh, to buy out Cineplex. Stock ran up, hovered just in and around takeover price, slightly below takeover price. We weren't greedy. We sold and took our money and let uh, a arbitrageur play for the last few pennies. Grabbed the loot and scoot we did, and oh, thank goodness we did. Uh, COVID-19 hit, and Cineworld pulled the offer uh, from Cineplex. Cineplex stock uh, subsequently fell aggressively. is now trading about $8. Uh, what was the takeover price, Ari Vinda? And is it legal to be able to pull a takeover offer? Is it not like at least a break fee? Uh, what is going to be the outcome of Cineworld pulling its uh, takeover uh, of Cineplex. How is this going to play out? Uh, give us some details, Ari Vinda. Yeah, so the, the offer price was 34 and, uh, you know, the process continued even through March, April, May, and they only pulled it in the uh, first or second week of June. Um, it's, you have to have a basis to pull a transaction uh, of that nature once you've signed off on it and you've made public the plan of arrangement, your board has signed off, your shareholders have signed off. Um, so the the formal reasoning that Cineworld gave is that Cineplex violated the uh, or breached the, uh, the plan of arrangement by not running its business in the normal course. That's the definition. <laughs> the, uh, the natural answer to that is, what is the definition of normal course? You know, when you have, for example, they're referring to the fact that they furloughed employees, that they closed cinemas, that they took uh, steps to reduce cost. Now, those are all reasonable and also, you know, arranged to re- delay rental payments and so on. Now, those are all, in, in, I think, in the opinion of Cineplex, normal course for the current conditions. They are... Mm-hmm. Oh, and they did everything that any cinema would do and did do. Um, so the truth is, I mean, it appears to an outside observer, it certainly appears to me, that Cineworld just got, just realized that they had paid a big amount and the world had changed and it simply didn't make sense for them to pay that amount anymore, so they just wanted to find some sort of legal option out. Um, they, I think, fully anticipated that Cineplex would sue for that original amount, which they did, which is $2.2 billion. Uh, and But I suppose in their minds, they weighed the possibility of either having to pay this exorbitant amount today, given they themselves are facing pressure in their own business. We keep in mind they're in the cinema business in Europe, in the U.S. Uh, and they probably felt it's better to kind of uh, face a more elongated legal process and deal with it a year down the road or two years down the road than deal with it now. Uh, but that is the legal, uh, sort of main legal point that was put forward. Unbelievable. And, of course, when you're dealing with 
a company across the pond, all of this now falls into the world of international law, correct? It is, but it's uh, the uh, the uh, the plan of arrangement and the lawsuit now is based in Ontario, so the, uh, the, the statement of claim was filed in Ontario. Fascinating, fascinating how the world can change. Let's, let's um, pivot um, to the world of broadcasting. Um, advertising sales in traditional media, television, radio, uh, give us a sense of how bad it's been are they seeing a turnaround and a pickup in ad sales? So the advertising, broadcast advertising numbers have come down dramatically. In television, the number is closer to 30%. In radio, it's higher than that. Um, I know in parts of Alberta, it's 40, 50% decline. Wow. Um, we are starting to, and this is the case in the U.S. as well as in Canada, and you are starting to see an improvement uh, as you get to sort of the third quarter, so today, like if you look at June or July, sort of the feedback we get suggests that with the decline rates are now improving towards 15 20%, but it's still meaningful. Now, keep in mind that in a broadcast model, only half of your revenue is advertising, the other half is subscriptions. That's not declining as steeply, but your advertising half is obviously declining at about 20 to 30%. Remarkable. Uh, we're talking about uh, tech, media, telecom uh, with Ari Vindai. He's an analyst at Canaccord Genuity. Uh, going on to commercial break. When we come out of it, we're going to ask Ari Vinda his best investment idea right here, right now. Please stay tuned. Hi-Fi Radio, Global News Radio Network, 640 in Toronto. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Yeah, Hi-Fi Radio. We're talking about money, stock ideas. We're going to say hi to Jack. Jack Hurdle, of course, my right-hand man, portfolio manager as well, working on your case each and every day. We never shut it down. Nope, the world is alive and well, and, well, markets globally, of course, continuously trade. Even on the weekend, of course, we've got to tune in to see what is going on because it continues. Oh, it's fun. It's fascinating. It's complicated. But we try to simplify it because, you know, simple does work if you understand how to play the game. And that's what it's all about. Jack, how are you doing? Very well, Wolf. Uh, continue to work in this uh, productively in this COVID environment. You've got more family time. Obviously, you stay at home, work through technology. And, um, you know, this week we've had, I think, almost 20% of the S&P 500 companies reporting. And they're actually coming in not too bad. At least they're... Uh, meeting, I would say, expectations, which is a, a good thing for the market, even though the expectations are, are relatively low. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to go back to our vendor, because you're talking about the COVID environment and how things are changing. It's certainly affected his companies. Um, as you said before, the uh, the commercial there, Wolf, uh, lots of ideas that our vendor has, very smart guys. So we just want to get his, his best ideas in this new COVID environment. So over to you, our vendor. Yes, so I'll start with uh, more of a steady eddy idea with upside and then move on to a sort of a higher risk, higher return idea, uh, more of a deep value idea. So we recently upgraded Kojiko Communications. 
uh, based out of Quebec uh, t- as a, as a bi-rated uh, telecom name. And uh, the reason here is that it's actually handled the COVID-19 conditions better than we had expected, better than its telecom peers. They actually posted steady to mildly growing EBITDA in their May end quarter. So Kojiko is sort of 60% Canada, 40% U.S. And the growth is really in the U.S. They've taken advantage of the, uh, the, the stronger cable market and the stronger cable, lower competitive intensity landscape in the U.S. And they've been continuing to acquire U.S. cable assets. And they're actually, I think, now the eighth largest U.S. cable co., uh, despite still being a Canadian company and a predominantly Canadian-operated business. Um, I think that is our best idea. It's about a 10% free cash flow yield. You get about a 3% dividend, but it's a very steady business. But the important thing is that the U.S. piece continues to get bigger and bigger, and U.S. cable trades at a multiple that is three to four times higher than Canada. So as that transition happens, there is a real opportunity to re-rate up in a very dramatic fashion, in a very material fashion. In the meantime, it's a steady business, even through COVID-19, so it's, it's a nice mix from our perspective. The, sure, Arvinder. The higher risk, uh, call it not higher risk, but maybe slightly higher risk, high return idea is, sort of, uh, is uh, the company that you're uh, calling from, Chorus Entertainment. Um, Chorus, yes, affected by COVID-19, as we discussed, but it's a 250 stock that can make a dollar to a dollar twenty in free cash flow. So you're talking about a free cash flow yield of fifty percent and a dividend yield of ten percent. Normally you get a dividend yield of ten percent when you think that dividend's gonna break. But based on the free cash flow that they're generating and the early signs of stability you're seeing in the ad market and the stability of the subscription revenues, I don't think that dividend breaks. Uh, so that puts them in, I think, a good position to rebound because it's been oversold on the recent core quarter, which is obviously impacted heavily by COVID-19. Um, so that's a deep value call. And I think as people come around to recognizing the fundamentals, there is an opportunity to re-rate there as well. Um, Arvind, let me jump in here. Um, I want to go back to the – you mentioned Kajako. And, again, everyone's talking cord cutting. You continue to think there is an opportunity there with a, an old cable co. Uh, U.S., of course, exposure. You say U.S. Uh, cable co's are more expensive. But I want to, uh, to ask you to step slightly out of your comfort zone, if you don't. Not comfort zone, but out, out of your uh, coverage universe. Uh, Jack and I own AT&T and Verizon. Um, I look at those two companies as international uh, carriers, uh, a play obviously on wireless, and AT&T got itself deeper into some Time Warner assets, which has been a bit of a drag on the name. But, but both these U.S. carriers, are they're ginormous. Uh, Verizon has north of 100 million customers, which is over three times the population of Canada. Um, COVID is, 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 is allowing us to um, uh, rethink life thanks to telecom. Uh, yet the stocks aren't really reacting well, both here and in Canada. The, the, the good old telcos, Mobile, uh, Rogers, AT&T, and Verizon, they, they've been lagging uh, the likes, of course, of the NASDAQ and, and, and other names. Why is that, do you think? 
So in the case of the Canadian uh, incumbents, Bell Rogers, Telus, they have been badly impacted. When I say badly, I mean more than expected. Number one, on the wireless side, because of roaming. International roaming is about 55 to 6% of total revenues, and they are ah. margin businesses. That's about an 80% margin business. That goes to near zero. The second reason is overage. You know, there is still a very high margin overage stream that the companies collect from wireless users that go over their caps. You know, obviously people aren't moving around as much. The overage caps are not being breached. The overage is falling 30, 40, 50%. So- I, you know, it's funny, it's amazing you say that because obviously I'm not traveling. Every time I travel, I have to buy an additional package to avoid roaming fees. And again, I have a whole family uh, on a planet. Oh, it's disastrous. When you have kids and you got telecom and, oh, my goodness me, I'm paying for five people now. It's killing me, which is, again, what surprises me. I look at my bill each and every week. But because we're at home, we are using the Wi-Fi network. And as such, I'm having no overages. Fascinating stuff. It's amazing that a telecom company has become, well, it feels like an airline. Not quite. But that's the case. Hey, if you don't fly, you don't roam. Uh, If you stay at home, you don't get the overages. Uh, this uh, to and fro, to and fro, I shall say, in the world of business. Fun, exciting, lots of moving parts. Ari Vinder, I can't thank you enough for enlightening us. And you like the Chorus Entertainment. Uh, that's an interesting name. I used to work there. A lot of friends, of course, who uh, do work there still. And so, guys, if you're long the stock, Ari Vinder says, remain long. Don't sell down here. Clip your dividend. And if you got, uh, you know, a little mad money and you want to, Buy yourself some deep value as a turnaround play. Of course, entertainment uh, is uh, his favorite beta idea. Uh, you have yourself a great weekend, Aravinda. Uh, we are going to go to a quick break and get back with our chief strategist, Mr. Tony Dwyer, live from Wall Street. It's going to be great, my good friends. You stay tuned on Hi Fi Radio, Global News Radio, 640 in Toronto. Money. Listen, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Good morning. Welcome back to the show about money. Yeah, yeah. Well, we got Tony Dwyer on the line, but he is not on Wall Street. He is in the Adirondacks. He is really taking the social distancing seriously, and I tip my hat to my American friend, Mr. Tony Dwyer, Chief Investment Strategist at Canaccord Genuity. Uh, Tony has been an absolute rock star uh, since we've known him. Uh, Jack and I have worked closely with Tony since 2009, it's uh, good golly, it's over 10 years, Tony. Uh, happy anniversary, pal. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Thanks. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Tony, as I indicated, is in the Adirondacks. I was looking for some deliverance music to, uh, or some Ozark music to theme him. Mean, that Ozark show, do you, you watch Ozark, Tony? <laughs> no, not. Did, 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 have you seen I the have. series? Yeah, the kids love it, so. Yeah, it's so twisted. I don't I get it, it, but it does, it it does captivate well, you. I'm too busy doing work to, to help you than I am to watch Ozark. Well, yeah, but we get to binge it. You know, something you you, you got to use your whatever your vice may be, and if you want to binge on it, you know. But I think there could be worse things than binging on Ozark. Uh, and again, it's incredible the social media uh, interest. Sure. 
in, in, in the upcoming season. So, hence, look at Netflix. Uh, stock's done remarkably well. Tesla, absolutely explosive. Jack and I, long DocuSign clients are happy. Um, a lot of interesting things going on in the market, Tony, we must say. Uh, Jack managed to catch your new report. Uh, I'm a little bit late today, but I'll catch up. Don't worry. So, um, Jack, I, I want you to uh, lead Tony uh, through his latest report. And uh, please share with the class that what matters with respect to their money on Hi-Fi Radio. Well, thanks, Wolf. His report, Tony's report that he published today actually uh, deals with a lot of the questions that we're getting from clients and the fact that uh, the market has ramped up so much off its lows in April and, and March. Uh, and people are thinking that it's just gone too far too fast. And in the report, Tony really goes through the fact that, um, you know, this environment that we're in right now, uh, he compares it to the 2000 bubble for the tech companies. You mentioned DocuSign Wolf. Uh, and he really highlights the differences uh, that you see in the macro environment right now versus the tech bubble. So, Tony, I think uh, to start with that, what, are, what is your view on uh, today's market, the backdrop uh, versus what we saw back in 2000? Well, guys, thanks. Um, uh, thanks, guys. It's, it's really totally opposite. There, there are a few um, technologies-based companies, and whether it be Netflix, Google, Amazon, all the names that you know are dominating the market cap gains, because such few names are really dictating the amount of upside we're getting, people have this feeling like, wow, this is like the dot-com boom when only a few stocks were going up and then the market went down 50%. But it's totally different from the macro backdrop. Back then in 2000, heading into the peak there, the Fed was raising rates, liquidity was getting squeezed, credit was under pressure, um, the yield curve was inverting, a recession was pending. We're on the opposite side of all those things today. So um, for, as a great example, um, even though a few stocks are dominating the gains in the marketplace, the New York Stock Exchange cumulative advanced decline line, which measures you know, net advancers since the dawn of time, made a new all-time high yesterday. Into the dot-com bubble peak, it had been going down two years in a row since 1998. So it's a totally different structure of the market and totally different macroeconomic backdrop. So we're not as worried as so many are that it's a, it's a bubble-like environment. And, and when you have, when you look at the, the market right now, Tony, um, you know, 5% or sorry, five names are making up 25% of the S&P 500, uh, mostly in the technology sector, those names, obviously. Um, what, what's your view on that in terms of the health of the economy uh, or the health of the market? Because uh, they have really driven the returns, but uh, it seems like uh, the rest are starting to catch up, but not quite there yet. Well, it, it's really interesting because it, it, it seems to me, and I, what I try to do every once in a while, Jack, is put a little bit of common sense into this game we play. Um, and from a common sense standpoint, if six months from now, the stay-at-home stocks, which are the ones you're referring to that are dominating those mega-cap growth stocks, are all the, the ones doing the best are the ones that benefit from a stay-at-home environment. If they're still benefiting six to 12 months from now, that'll mean that no vaccines have come out. That'll mean that um, the economy is largely still in shutdown. That'll bring up much worse issues than what sectors you're in. So our view is that if you combine the, the total um, infinity printing price of the Fed, and not just the Fed, the global central banks, the fiscal stimulus, which came out of the Eurozone this week, has been coming out of the U.S. since uh, since uh, late March. If you if you add up all the money that's around, couple that with a synchronized global turn in economic activity, it benefits those areas that have kind of been left for dead. 
the financial industrial materials tax that are just starting to pick up their head. Sorry, Tony, I did, we have a slight delay here, but uh, it's interesting uh, the way you, your descriptive there is leading me to think about something that Jack and I uh, frowned at after the fact was this notion of global synchronized growth. The last time we heard that phrase, Jack, was when and the market went down. I can't remember, when was uh, the last uh, notion of global synchronized growth? Is that 2018? It was the beginning of 2018. The big difference between now and then is uh, you I were at synchronized growth after a seven or eight year bull market, whereas now you're getting synchronized growth off a very low base. Correct. No, it's a very, very different environment. Interesting stuff, but we're going to keep uh, picking at Tony Dwyer's brain. Frequently seen on C, actually seen almost every day on CNBC. Uh, absolute treat to see that handsome man uh, do his thing live. And that's exactly what we're doing with him. little unplugged uh, view as to how Jack and I help you manage money. Global News Radio, 640 in Toronto. The show is called Hi-Fi Radio. More of it right after this. Making money is the best. So how do you make more money? Come on back after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. by radio the show about money <clears throat> global news radio network 640 in toronto i am wolfgang klein manager of money it's what i do i love it it is exciting and you know something uh i have purpose in life my purpose is to ensure each and every one of the families i take care of will never outlive their money we guide them we teach them we work with them we listen to them and we create a plan for the long Paul, it's an ongoing job, and as such, we need to lean on smart people to help us through the world of complexity. Tony Dwyer, our chief investment strategist, the finest on Wall Street. He's handsome, he's smart, he's energetic, and, uh, well, right now he's in the Adirondacks. I just got this Ozark vision in my mind. Uh, but I guess the Adirondacks would be the equivalent to the Muskokas. Is that, is that a fair statement? Uh, for the Wall Streeters, a lot of Wall Streeters where you're hanging out, uh, Tony, right now? No, well, see, that's, um, you know, they're at the beaches. I'm in the woods, man. I'm, I'm climbing trees, chopping wood, you know, boating a little bit, having a great time with my family. Now, that's most of the Wall Streeters. I try to avoid the Wall Streeters, not, not, not go to them on the weekends, that's for sure. <laughs> Oh, good for you, too. No, you, you are a man of the people, Tony. You're a very grounded guy. Uh, you're real. You're, 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 you are salt of the earth, uh, and yet, you know, you, 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 you wash up real well and look very, very professional. You, you are very professional, obviously, and I know you are very well liked at Canaccord. Uh, uh, you are a team player. Uh, you show leadership skills. Um, yeah, man, I got to be careful. I don't want to see you get uh, get picked away from Canacourt uh, by, you know, one of those Goldman Sachs types. We don't want that. Nah, we want to keep it at our, our little boutique firm. Yeah. Uh, that gives nah, I, I love right where I am. Boy, right. Well, you do a great job. You do a great job. Um, let's just uh, dig further into your latest um, work. Uh, just help us further uh, guide the marketplace. Again, there has been an awful lot of talk 
lately, and it continues. It's being published, uh, bespoke investment research that Jack and I pay for and uh, uh, appreciate the wisdom in it. it. It is showing the disparity or the divergence between growth stocks, i.e. my, my DocuSign, my Zoetis, my Insulet, uh, my, my Pfizer. Uh, those are my growth stocks, my audio codes. Uh, and then the value stocks, the, 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 the valuation gap is wider is, and getting wider by the day. Uh, you, you're referring to the dot-com bubble, but with the FANG stocks, as Jack indicated, five of the largest stocks in the S&P 500 index, which is 500 companies, five stocks represents 20% of that value. That reminds me of Nortel 2000, uh, when it represented, I think, 30% of the TSX value. But with so few stocks dominating, I'm also thinking about this period during the 70s, a.k.a. the nifty 50. 50 stocks that you must own then. Well, hey, Google, Amazon, Facebook, they sound like a 50-type stocks you need to own now. The question is, when the music stops, how much pain will people feel? And will there be an exodus from the nifty 50 of 2020 into the deep value. And I, I'm speaking deep value. I'm talking, I'll start with oil beaten up, but you could also look at other sectors that have certainly taken on the chin. You want to talk leisure? Probably not. Cruise lines? Probably not. Airlines? Perhaps. But so Tony, I want you to speak to that. Growth versus value. How much longer will it continue? Uh, what's your opinion? Give us your best advice on that. So Wolfie, the inject the, the relationship between growth versus value has set, seen such a historic level that I don't think adding a lot of new money there is the right play. I, again, you don't need to bet against them. I'm not suggesting that, that you bet against some of these growth names, but I think the better long-term returns by that, I mean, over the next year to two years is going to be in those areas that are economically sensitive. Those, those growth stocks have done so well because the economy is still largely shut down and they do better when um, you're working from home, staying at home. So if you do get some vaccines as we head into the end of the year, which in all likelihood uh, appears that we will, number of companies, uh, Pfizer being one, uh, Moderna being another, um, a lot of those companies are, are kind of falling all over themselves to get it out as quick as they could. So if you do get that and people feel comfortable about going out in public a little bit more, then you get a real ramp in economic activity because there is so much money that's around that's been printed by the Fed and given away by the government. That, that excess liquidity goes to work in economic activity once people get more comfortable. Well, and you refer to that sector as the banks and the tanks. Last time we had you on air, so you're still interested in the, the likes of the Boeings and the big old industrial stocks and the, and the uh, financial uh, companies in the United States? Again, again, as you know, I can't talk about individual names, but yes, um, the bank stocks, the industrial stocks, the material stocks, which are booming, the copper stocks, silver, all those, uh, all the, the material stocks are really starting to, to take off because it's sniffing out what we know. And what we know is that um, all the money has gone into defensive names, those growth stocks that you mentioned, at the expense of those other areas. All you need is a little bit of a turn and it can have significant gains, similar to what happened when we when we first called it on May 26th. Between May 26th and June 5th, the, the banks, the uh, KBW Bank Stock Index was literally up 30% in two weeks. So 
you know, you can get short-term gains, but this is more of a longer-term call, Wolfie. I think the global synchronized economic recovery is going to be dramatic and lift those that are exposed to it. There, you know, we are truly in fascinating times. I can't understate, uh, or excuse me, I can't overstate the following point enough. The stimulus coming at the global economy is beyond historic. Printing money, lending money, buying equities, buying fixed income, the central banks are basically going to do it all to get it back on track. Um, Tony Dwyer is making reference to this. We have to pay attention because it is so, so significant. The way Jack and I are approaching it, we call it a barbell approach. We have value in our portfolios. We have growth in our portfolios. Right now, we are overweight growth, thank goodness, but we have U.S. banks in there. Uh, We don't have a lot of tanks per se, but we have a little bit of exposure to the industrials. Certainly, we own some Danaher, we own some Ingersoll Rand, and we own uh, a little bit of the industrial ETF. So moderation, uh, I think, has a lot of validity in this environment. We call it barbell. We're going to do one more interview with Tony Dwyer, our chief investment strategist, live from the Adirondacks. Uh, a.k.a. Ozark, with my good friend Tony. You're a good man, Tony. Please stay tuned to Hi-Fi Radio, Global News Radio Network, 640 in Toronto. Stay with us. There's more shows still to come. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Today is going well. Sci-Fi Radio, it's a show about money. Money does matter. Uh, of course, we have Tony Dwyer, our Chief Investment Strategist on the line. He is in the Adirondacks right now. I hope you're enjoying your summer, Tony, and you're being a good man, social distancing. Very exciting times in the market, I must say. It truly is exciting. The NASDAQ trading at an all-time high. Tech stocks go up, I hate to say it, almost every day. The U.S. banks, the banks and tanks team that you're talking about, um, you know, still needs uh, work. It, it, it is not getting into full gear. But the amount of money that's coming at the market, the, the, the government spending, the government giving, the government printing uh, is so significant. At some point, it will ignite. There will be an uptick in economic activity, uh, as there will be, I, I, I truly believe now, a vaccine uh, for COVID-19. It's a global effort. Uh, the, the minds and the science have never been sharper and more capable of uh, fast-tracking and developing. And again, Pfizer is getting itself some big contracts uh, from uh, the United States and, and, and other global uh, countries who are going to uh, put their purchases in. So again, very exciting time. But Tony, the market, and I'm going to speak to you as well, Jack, of course, we, we all know the stock market itself has had a V-shaped uh, uh, d- direction this year, straight down, straight up. At some point, you got to think, Tony, it's got to pause. Uh, there's a lot of cash on the sideline looking to get in. There are a lot of shorts out there who have to cover. Uh, but again, new money coming into this market, it, it's difficult to put new money to work. So, Tony, I have to ask you as our chief strategist, give us a bit of a roadmap. And it's, it's, no one knows. You don't know. I don't know. But we certainly have, I think, you and I and Jack, an educated, at least, uh, opinion. Yours is further backed by data, Tony. How do you think the rest of 2020 is going to play out, Tony, in terms of the movement of the stock market? And where do we end at the end of the year? I could see the market grind higher, Wolf, maybe another um, 5 to 10% by the end of the year. 
But I, I would challenge you with it's it's hard to put money to work here. I don't think it's hard to put money to work here. It's just where are you doing it? Now, if you're chasing a, a stock that's up fourfold since March, yeah, that may not be the best idea. But if you're buying an industrial company or a, or a bank or a uh, material stock, uh, an industrial material stock like a copper stock, you're not buying a stock that's up so much. But they're still not up that much. No, that's exactly what Jack and I are doing. Uh, I, I, I kid you not, we have millions of dollars flowing towards us right now. Uh, clients are sending us two, three million bucks in a crack. It's, it's incredible. Um, and so we are taking a slightly different approach, trying to micromanage a little more than normal. Because we have learned normally, if you have money, put it to work in the basket, diversify it. Because you don't know, you really don't know what's going to work and what's not going to work. That is a fact. Um, but in this environment, I agree. There's no question. I think today you can buy the U.S. banks. You can buy the Canadian banks today. If you are aggressive and you want to buy a really good quality long-term story, I think you can buy Suncor today. Um, but that can put to work 20% of your money. What about the other 80%? I look at DocuSign. I look at Facebook. I think Facebook's okay here. Microsoft is okay here. But it certainly is not a scream. MasterCard's okay here, but good golly, these names have had great moves. So getting some money to work here, you can. I think the bulk of the money, diversifying it is a challenge. Well, it is, except, you know, in that case, you know, I, I leave the stock picking up to you. It's where you guys are great. Um, from my standpoint, I don't think there's a, I mean, it's a risk in the next five days, or five weeks because of how much the market's up. Of course, it's very unpredictable. However, I think, you know, where I have a, my strong suit is what happens six, 12, 18 months from now. And that's generally led by credit. In other words, you know, all the listeners, I want to remind them when you get into a problem, a recession, a weak economic period, and it happens because companies and households that need money don't have any access to it. They're not earning it because they got laid off and the banks won't give, in, give them it uh, because they're not willing to lend. It's the opposite of that right now. You have as you know, if you have most people were furloughed are starting to come back. It's going to take some time, but there's so much money availability that it's very hard to make the case. You can't grow if you don't have any money. There's so much money. I don't see how you don't grow into 2021. Tony, I, 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 um, I know a client right now who's looking at a mortgage, and this client is able to borrow money five-year variable at 1.75%. Unbelievable. Like historic low mortgage rate. So no question, um, money is available. Uh, I want to end with, uh, I'll tell you, Jack and I are putting a little more money to work right here in the Canadian market. Just buying the TSE 60. Uh, which gets me my banks, it gets me my pipelines, gets me more oil than I want. But um, can you give me your opinion, Canada versus U.S.? Uh, would you would you be putting money to work in the Canadian market or staying focused on the U.S. market? I beg your pardon? I think I'm overweight economic activity. I want to be overweight those areas that are most exposed to you know, commodity-based economies and currencies, which Canada is still considered, even though a lot of its financials, like you said, uh, and even technology now. But yes, I think, you know, the the plan for me is emerging markets over developed markets, developed market o- markets over the U.S. And Canada, often I view it as an emerging market. So I want, because you, you broke up a bit there. Did you, th- do you believe the Canadian stock market is going to outperform 
the U.S. stock market in the next 12 to 18 months? I think it has a very good chance of doing so, Wolfie, especially if the commodities and the industrial companies start to do well, which, which they are. I'll tell you something, Tony. The, uh, the, I looked at the TSC 60 quite closely, and it has done a whole lot of nothing, uh, really, in the last five, ten years. It, it is so ripe to play catch-up. And when I got into this business, Tony, in, in the year 2001, uh, shortly thereafter, the TSX traded at a higher level than the Dow Jones Industrial, all the way through the commodity bull market, and then it turned. Now the Dow Industrial trades at twice the point level that the TSX trades at, which again is, I think, extreme. So mean reversion is what the business always does. Uh, outperformance, underperformance. Outperformance, underperformance. So Tony Dwyer thinks the TSX has a chance of outperforming, a chance of outperforming the U.S. market in the next 12 to 18 months. That's very valuable. That's very helpful to Jack and I as we have been buying and nibbling in a little more into the Canadian market for some time. Our success, I must say, for the last 10 years has come out of the U.S. market. God bless America for that one. But time to adjust, time to change. That's what the world of finance is all about. And that's why it is most advisable to each Canadian to work with a professional who understands you and that you feel most comfortable with. Perhaps you want to give Jack and I a call. You want to get hold of us? WolfgangKlein.com. We will respond immediately. We're here for you as we are your money servants. More importantly, your Sherpa. Yes, I want to wish you all a great weekend. Tony Dwyer. Uh, live from the Adirondacks. A real pleasure to have you on the show. I can't thank you enough, Tony. Uh, Jack, great job as always. You have yourself a good weekend. Rest up. And uh, we will speak to you on Monday. Listeners, Jack and I join you every Saturday morning from 7 to 8 on AM 640 Global News Radio Network. Hi-Fi Radio is the name of the show. You have a great weekend. Listening to Hi Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle, portfolio managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any money questions you need answered, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi Fi Radio, for the love of money. We'll see you next week. The preceding program is a specialty program. Unless otherwise identified, the participants on the program are not employees of Chorus Entertainment. Opinions expressed may not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.